Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Welcome our online campus as well. God bless you guys. Happy Easter. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hey, let's do this real quick. It's very appropriate for Easter, and we'll go ahead and have a brief rehearsal, and then we'll do it. I'm going to say, he is risen, and then you're going to say, he is risen indeed, okay? I'm going to do my part. You ready for yours? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen, amen. We welcome you, and again, happy Easter. Uh, My name is Tim Gilligan, and I'm the senior pastor here at Meadowbrook Church, and senior does not mean old. Senior just means I was here first, I think. So, but we welcome all of you. Thank you for being with us. So many of our Meadowbrook family and then family and friends of theirs and and all of you, it's been wonderful. This is number six of six services that we've had. It has just been absolutely fantastic. And our first two services today, uh, we were sticking people wherever we could. We ran out of, of chairs completely in overflow, hallway, everything this last service. So it has been a wonderful, wonderful event as we celebrate a risen Savior. And I pray that never gets lost on us. Amen? And uh, I, I didn't do this all the other times, so I'm sure they can hear you. Can we, all the technicians, all the musicians, everybody involved in this, they've worked long and hard and they've been here for days. Could we just thank them real quick? Thank you, all of you. Amen. Well, let's look in Scripture today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, For I, de- I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. We believe this. We believe that 2,000 years ago this event took place and it changed everything. It's a demonstration of God's love, a demonstration of God's might, God's intentions, God's energy. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cross for our sins and on the third day literally, physically was raised from the dead by the glory and by the power of God. Can I get an amen on that today? And when that took place, death was arrested. Death was reversed. Death was defeated. Death lost its sting. Hebrews chapter 7 tells us that Jesus had an indestructible life. Now, nowadays, just about everywhere you go, you're probably on camera, you know, and uh, you run a red light. They got you. You know, if, if uh, you kick the, the uh, vending machine, they got you. You know, just about everywhere you go, there's, there's video. And I wish there had been some video back at the resurrection. And you do realize that the resurrection meant that Jesus defeated, soundly defeated, death, hell, the grave, and the devil. And I would love to see that happen visually. And so part of me is still stuck in sixth grade. Any of you all like that? I mean... It, mentally, my imagination sometimes is back sixth grade. Anybody with me? You're staring at me weirdly. Thank you. Thank you, friends. Well, this is kind of how I think it would look for, for Jesus to defeat the devil. Look at this. That's Jesus. Can, can we do it one more time? 
Just re-rack that just one more time. Yeah. Well, if you're a visitor with us, here's a personal belief. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. And uh, I, think, I think church should be fun. Amen? Well, we're thankful today. And uh, here's my big point for today. The Bible tells us, and we believe, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for our lives. Okay? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for our lives, makes a difference in our lives. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins and to take what was between us as sinful people and a holy God, to take our sins out of the way. And the Bible says in the book of Colossians, he nailed them to the cross, took them out of the way forever. So now we can be reconciled to God. We can have a relationship with God. And that all took place on the cross. And then when he rose again from the grave... That gives us the power to be able to live a meaningful life that he has given us. And so that is part of what we're celebrating. But again, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for our lives. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. There you can see it clearly again. The power that raised Jesus from the dead impacts our lives today. Um, In the book of Philippians, it talks about a power outflowing from the resurrection and it exerts over believers. Let's look at that just for a moment. When Jesus was raised from the dead, how did that happen? It happened by the power of God. Romans chapter 6 said it was the glory of God, which means this. It was the presence and power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. When that happened, there was incredible power that was released. Everybody say released. But it was not all used up. Understand this. God never runs out of anything. Okay? So his power was not, this was not just the surge, although it did surge and it had incredible uh, impact on things around it. Rocks split, graves opened, people came up out of their graves and walked into town and went to Starbucks. <laughs> and this incredible power, but it was not all used up at the, re- at, at the resurrection. And it didn't just, you know, have a soft landing a couple of days later. The power is still outflowing from the resurrection. And get this, it exerts over believers. It's looking for targets to show itself strong. And I'll tell you where that is. It's for those who believe. I have chosen to believe. And I I would encourage you to believe so that the power from the resurrection, same power, raised Jesus from the dead, is available to help us in our lives today. Can we get an amen on that today? Now this word, this New Testament Greek word for power is the word dunamis. From that we get our word dynamite. Or if you grew up in my era, dynamite. The rest of you don't, don't be hating. All right. Dynamite, whenever you introduce dynamite into any situation, something's going to move. Something's going to change. And so that's a great descriptor of this power that is dynamite that can change and move and destroy, if need be, uh, things in our life. Look with me in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And just as Christ was raised from the dead, just as in the same way that Christ was raised from the dead... By the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. 
Jesus came back to life, get this, to bring us back to life. Jesus came back to life to bring us back to life. Now, first of all, of course, back to life spiritually so that we can have an eternity with God. But I don't want us to just relegate it to far off future, but to realize that there's a power to help us right now. Quick, informal, non-scientific survey. Surveys. Anybody here need any help from God? It seems to be more over here. Any, anybody need, need help from God? And so let's, let's look at this and how this works. And I love this idea. Jesus came back to life to bring you back to life. Why? Because we have areas of our life that are not alive. We have areas of us that are not alive, not fully alive. There's areas of us that are broken. There's areas of us that are damaged. There's areas of our life and our person that are lifeless and, and even dead. Well, how does that happen? How does that happen? It happens because of life. You know, we've lost life because of life. Here, here's how it happens too. You ready? What damages us, breaks us, and makes us dead in areas of our life? You ready? People. Uh, how many of you know that people can be a, a bummer? Can I get a witness over here that people people can be a bummer and then we have just the events of life and tragedies that take place in life and then words words can kill you words can hurt you words not just words that are spoken but sometimes words that never got spoken leave something lifeless within you struggles disappointments all kinds of things can actually damage us and make parts of our self our life lifeless well today in just a few we're just going to take a few minutes and we're going to look at two areas that are very, very common that end up, uh, they kind of describe areas of our life that can get broken, lifeless, and dead. And we're going to notice in Scripture that Jesus, after the resurrection, went to two different people who embodied these two common areas that we're talking about. And Jesus came back to life so that he could bring you and I back to life. So the first one would be this, doubt. Doubt. Everybody say doubt. The second would be this one, failure. Everybody say failure with me. Let's look at doubt to start with. In the New Testament, there is a, a guy, his name is Thomas. He's one of the disciples. And traditionally, Thomas is also known as Doubting Thomas. Can I tell you, I think that's a really bad rap. That's really not fair to Thomas. I prefer to call him Honest Thomas. Here's the deal. We just had some questions. And I know you and I, we're great armchair quarterbacks. We really think, well, I would never have doubted. I, I, you know, I've, I've got it. My faith's like rock. You know, and the reality is I, I've thought about it. I've, I, I've wondered about it. I, I wonder how I would have done if I'd been in the same settings as some of these guys. And so Thomas was not so much doubting Thomas. It was really he was just being honest. Here's, here's some things about Thomas. He was a loyal follower of Jesus. He was in close relationship with Jesus. He said he was willing to die for Jesus, and he wanted to believe. Well, look what happens here. Suddenly, there's this sudden avalanche of intense events that take place. And in those moments, it shook him, and it shocked him. And I'll tell you what it did. It damaged, and it killed his faith. And listen, it happens to us too sometimes. How does it happen? It happens because of tough times and because of tragedies and because of crisis and because of disappointments and setbacks and betrayals 
and prayers that didn't get answered the way that you hoped, it, it evokes questions. So, so listen to this. Sometimes, sometimes hard times makes our faith and trust strong. But sometimes hard times rock and shock our faith and trust. And we end up with questions. We end up, sometimes our faith is damaged and may even feel dead to us. Think about Thomas. Everything that he'd been working for, what he'd given himself to, that he was excited about, that he believed in, is suddenly ripped away and shut down. And so Thomas, for him, it wasn't just the death of Jesus. It was the end of Jesus. For Thomas, he heard what Jesus said, but now he's dealing with what he sees. And Jesus is gone, so he's thinking Jesus is just another man. Maybe a prophet, obviously a great teacher, but he's no Messiah, he's no Savior because he's, because he's dead. Guess what else is dead? Thomas's faith. Let's watch what happens, though. But let's make it personal, first of all. What about you? What about you? Let's just suppose here, because it's a good likelihood that in this many people, there are people here that your faith is damaged. Your trust in God may feel lifeless, maybe even dead. Things have happened. What happened to you? What's your story? What, why are you like that? And let me just suppose a little bit. Some of you maybe grew up in church, and that may have been the problem. You know, maybe parents and teachers and leaders in the church taught you one thing, but they lived something else. Maybe they taught you things and required those things of you, yet it seemed inconsequential for them. Maybe you've seen hypocrisy. I have. Maybe you've seen legalism. I have. Maybe you've seen angry, judgmental religion. I have, and I hate it. You know, maybe you've seen Christian weirdness. I have, and I hate it. Maybe it's crisis. Maybe, like I said earlier, it's prayers that you prayed, things you hoped for, and it, it just didn't turn out that right that way, and your faith seems to be broken. It, it got damaged, maybe even died. There's a gentleman named Dan Brown. He's an author, perhaps most famous for The Da Vinci Code. Not only a best-selling book, but a a blockbuster movie as well, and he's written other books as well. A very gifted writer, but hear this, though. At the core and at the very center of what he is writing, he's attacking the central truths of Christianity. He is trying to debunk. He's trying to undo. He's trying to use novels and fiction to attack the very heart of Christianity. A couple years ago, an interviewer for Parade Magazine interviewed him and questioned him on this. He said, it is, it is very clear to see that in your writings, you're going after the tenets of faith. You're attacking religion in particular. You're attacking Christianity. Yet I happen to know that part of your story is that you have a history with church and a history with Christianity. And in reply to that, here's what Dan Brown said. He said, I was raised in church. I was very committed and religious as a kid. Then in eighth or ninth grade, I studied science, astronomy, cosmology, and the origins of the universe. I remember saying to my pastor, I don't get it. I read a book that said there was, uh, I read a book that said there was an explosion known as the Big Bang, but here in the Bible, it says God created heaven and earth, which is right. Unfortunately, the response I got from my pastor was, 
Nice boys don't ask questions. He said, in that moment, a light went off inside of me. And I said, the Bible doesn't make sense. And I began to gravitate away from religion. What happened? This young man had an honest faith, but he had some questions. And because they weren't handled right, let me say this. I think that pastor should be sued for spiritual malpractice. Because you can ask questions. Jesus holds up to questions. Let's go back to Thomas. After the resurrection, Jesus came into a room. I mean, came into a room. They were behind a a door that was barred and locked because in the climate right then after the crucifixion and resurrection, it wasn't a very safe thing to be a follower of Jesus. So some of the disciples were gathered, and it says that Jesus came through the door. Jesus came through the door not like you came through the door today. Jesus came through the door not like a SWAT team would come through a door or like the Hulk would come through a door. Jesus came through a door like through the door in a glorified, resurrected body and stood among them. Thomas was not there, and then later they went to tell Thomas. Read with me here in John chapter 20, verse 25. Are you with me today? Since they told him, the disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Look in verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Here's my take on that. Thomas obviously had confusion. He had questions. His faith is damaged, if not dead. And Jesus shows up again in a resurrected form and he shows up and and let me insert this he is the god of again god of again he was alive he's dead he's alive again and he can bring things that were back and so thomas is there and i think he's saying to thomas thomas check me out i know you have questions i know this is difficult i know this is confusing but but look at me check check out you you wanted to see you wanted to touch you you wanted to see check me out i'm big enough for your questions I'm big enough for you to examine me again. He's saying, check me out again. And if you check me out again, your faith that was alive and died can come back alive again. And Thomas said, my Lord, my God. And guess what? The God of again helped his faith to come alive again. And so if you're here today, listen, if you're here today and your faith has got damaged along the way, you remember a time when it was vibrant and you trusted in God. Things have happened along the way. I gave you a partial list of things that could hurt that. And along the way, your faith has gotten damaged. It feels lifeless. You don't even know if you have any faith anymore. I'm, I'm telling you to do the same thing that Jesus told Thomas, and that is this. Hey, stop, stop with the doubt. Don't, don't keep unbelieving, but believe. And I want to encourage you, check Jesus out again. He can handle your questions. He can handle all the situations of life. Come to him again and let him bring your faith back to life. Amen. Amen. Now, second would be, 
The second would be failure. Everybody say failure. I, I know you're all snazzy, all dressed up for Easter, but I got to bring it up. Every one of us has failed. At some time, in some way, we don't want to. We don't want to anymore. Likelihood, though, is we probably will along the way. But we've all failed. Would you nod your head, everybody, with me on that one? I thought it would be a, a great exercise this morning. We're going to take about a minute or two minutes. And I just want you to take that minute or two. And I want you to share with the people right around you your deepest, darkest failures. Okay? So if you go ahead and do that real quick. Stop. Don't. 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 I, thought, I saw some of you just go total pale on, on that. No need for us to do that. But all of us, say that, all of us. All of us, we've messed up. We've sinned. We've dropped the ball from everything from finances to parenting to whatever. We've done things that we knew were wrong and yet we, we did them. There were things that were right to do and we didn't do them. We've all done things that are, could be categorized as stupid. We've done things that were careless. We've done things that were impulsive. And the list goes on. And as a result of that, then we have these scars and damages within us that carry labels like this. Divorce, DUI, abortion, affairs, stealing, pornography, promiscuity, lying, cheating. The list goes on and on. And can I say this to you? This is not a house of condemnation. We're just telling the truth today. And when we fail and whatever labels end up on all the things that we messed up on, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Something breaks inside when we fail. Something dies inside when we fail. And it not only is our confidence, not only is it our joy and our peace, but something else breaks and dies inside of us, and it's here. And let me talk to you as those that are following Jesus. Here's what happens when we're following Jesus and we fail. You know what? We feel like we can't follow anymore. Or we feel like we can't follow like we were. Why? Because we, because we fail. So after the resurrection, well, before the resurrection, somebody failed big time. After the resurrection, Jesus went to this person to help them and to bring them back. And that was Peter. Now, Peter was close to Jesus. He was loyal. He was in the inside three. If Jesus had a car, Peter would have been one of the guys riding in Jesus' car. Okay? He was personally called by Jesus. He was personally mentored by Jesus. For three, over three years, he was up close with Jesus, listening, learning, watching, witnessing miracles. Jesus even gave him a different name. He changed his name. He changed his name to mean this, the rock, not the guy in the movies, but the rock. And what he was saying is, I can build on you. I want to build on you, Peter. And so what happened then on that Thursday night before the crucifixion, Jesus had all the disciples together in the upper room. He washes their feet. He teaches them some things. He tells them what's about to happen. I don't think they're fully listening. They have communion together. He's telling them, I'm about to be uh, crucified, tortured. He was telling them all of those things. Uh, And just my observation, they're not fully getting it. And then he says, guys, lean in a little bit. And he said this, one of you tonight is going to betray me. Peter bristles up and he goes, well, it won't be me. It won't be me. If you tell me which one it is, I'll take care of it. I, I added that part. And then Jesus said, Peter, 
you lean a little, lean in a little closer. And he said, Peter, he said, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, I would never do that. You got the wrong guy. I would never do that. I would die for you, but I would never deny you. They sang a hymn. They left. They went out to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas went off to do his dirty deed and betrays. He sells out. And some Bible scholars say there was approximately 600 soldiers that came into that garden with torches and spears and swords. And they came and they arrested Jesus and drug him away. Overnight, six trials Jesus endured. They were all a mockery of a trial. And in the coming and going and in the trials, he's hit, he's spat upon, he is beaten, he is scourged. All that's happening. And Peter is following at a distance. He's following, he's following, watching each of these things. And three times, and I won't go into all of them, but three different times people said, hey, aren't you, weren't you there? Hey, I think you saw. No, that was not me. And every time he got a little more strong about it, he even started cursing, adding cursing to, to his denial, and he denied Jesus. And when he finished that third denial, you could hear it. You could hear the rooster crow, and Peter knew everything Jesus said just, just happened. So now here's Peter, and I'll tell you where he's at. Utter, total, complete spiritual failure. Utter, total, complete spiritual breakdown. And do you know what Peter did? He went what I call, he went B.C. Sometimes when we mess up and we fall away from God, we go B.C. We go back to what we were before, before Christ. And so he went back. And let me tell you, don't do that. You know, well, I used to be in the clubs and I was dancing. I just go back. No, don't go back. You're not that good at it. A lot has changed. <laughs> Much has changed. But seriously, don't go back. But he went back. He was a fisherman before, and so I'll just go back and do that. Took some of the disciples with him. He thought, this, this is all over. I don't know what all is going to happen. They said, he's, they said he's risen, but I have failed. And here's the lie that he believed. Because I failed, I can no longer follow. So he goes back to fishing. Let me take you back to the first time that Peter met Jesus. He was fishing. He was a professional fisherman. They'd fished all night. They'd come ashore. They're mending and folding their nets, cleaning their nets. They see this crowd, and the crowd keeps growing, and there's somebody teaching, and it's Jesus, and the crowd keeps growing, so Jesus is down by the shore. He asks them, can I step into your boat, and would it be possible we, we push your boat out just a little bit and, uh, so that I can be able to talk to everybody and they can hear me? And they said, yeah, that's fine. I'm sure they continued doing what they were doing. And after Jesus had finished teaching, he turns to Peter, and he said, so, so how's fishing? Peter said, not, not real good. He said, we worked hard all night long. We didn't catch a thing. And then Jesus had the audacity to say this. Well, why don't you do this? Take your nets and throw them out on this side of the boat. <sighs> all right. So they did. They threw the nets out. And guess what happened? You've read it. The nets filled up. They caught so many fish. The nets were about to break. And the boat started to sink. And they had to call for other boats that were around. Come on, come on, help us. And you know what Peter did in that moment as he saw this supernatural thing take place? He said this. He knelt before Jesus and he said, please go away from me because I'm a sinful man and you're obviously holy. Here's Jesus' response. How about this instead of me go away from you? How about you follow me? 
Fast forward now back to reality that Peter is denied. He's failed. He's no longer following. He goes back to fishing. And Jesus recreates almost the exact same setting. And let's read here in John chapter 21, verse 4. You with me? We're almost done. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he'd stripped for work and jumped into the water and headed to shore. When he got to shore, and he swam over 100 yards, the Bible says, when he got to shore, there's Jesus on the beach. He's made a campfire. Jesus has prepared breakfast for them. My wife says this, breakfast is love. Jesus had prepared breakfast. They shared breakfast together. I think I would have had a hard time eating, just like, that's Jesus. (laughs) Risen. And after breakfast, he got with Peter up close. And he said, Peter, and he had a question for Peter. And here's the question. You ready? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? That was the question. Not, what were you thinking? (laughs) Or why'd you do this? Or do you promise to never do this again? That wasn't the question. Here's the question. Do you love me? Now, how many times did... Peter denied Jesus? Three. Three times, very fitting, very appropriate, Jesus asked him the same question. Here's the question. This is the real issue. This is the bottom line. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not perfection. It's, do you love me? And three times Peter answered, Lord, you know I love you. He asked him again, do you love me? Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And then here's what Jesus said. Read it at the end of, of, of John 21. Peter said, I love you. And Jesus said this, then follow me. See, here's the lie. Here's the lie. That if you fail, you can't follow. But the God of again is the God of the second chance. Anybody here had a second chance before? And he's the God of the third chance. And he's the God of the 94th chance. He's the God of again. So... I don't, I don't know what's happened in your life and maybe you were following Jesus and then you failed, which we all have. And then you somehow felt like I can no longer follow him. And that's a lie. And here's the question Jesus was at, would ask you today. Of course he wants you to cut it out. Of course he wants you to do better and he'll help you to do better. And of course we don't want to fail. But we're human and we're frail and we do end up sometimes failing. And this is the thing. Here's what Jesus would ask you today. You were, you were following and then you failed. But here's the question. Do you love me? And if you love him, he restores you and you get back to following him again. Amen. And I would encourage you to do that today. Because whatever, whatever caused you to slow down, drop out or whatever along the way. I know you love him. I know you love him. Just tell him again and let the God of again restore you back. Jesus came back to life to bring you and I back to life. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to help us and to bring things back to life in our life right here 
and right now. Amen? I'll stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Good, good. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.